coming up this week off screen. Disney takes to the water with Moana. Miles Teller wants to bleed for this. There's a miracle on the Hudson with Sully. Chicago goes ancient Greek with Chirac. Frank Zappa wants you to eat that question. And Hayley Steinfeld is teetering on the edge of 17. August Kerman Moore off screen. This is This is Off Screen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Ben Connor. I am Case Allen. Well, fun week then this week, uh, Mr. Allen. So loads yeah, of film fun. news, and there's always the fun box I've got ten to do. And uh, well, we've got some interesting films. Yeah, we've got some interesting film news. Some interesting films. Well. But the weird thing, you know, last week it was only when when it was going out a couple of days later after we recorded it mm. that I realised that actually last week was a really bad week for films. <laughs> I was looking through <laughs> I, all I the releases. Tell. I can tell when. It, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a bad we week. We really for struggled films. to pick a film of a week. I, I do. We did, I do didn't recall, we? Yeah. yeah. What, what was it in the end? I, 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 I feel like we a, we had to begrudge give it to someone. I settled on the first half of Allied, if you remember. I That's what it was. I, I said uh, half of Allied. Slim pickings. Yeah, really slim. It just, yeah. it wasn't a great week for film. I've got to give it that. But this, this looks like a pretty... Pretty darn enticing. Pretty darn enticing. Yeah. So why don't you we kick us off with some film news and let's see what's going on in the okay, world Okay, let's, let's start we, with yeah. something fun. Um, I love it when a film does well. Mm-hmm. I love it even more when a film loses money. Okay, what's lost some money for you now? Okay, so I have a list of the top 10 or bottom 10, depending on your stance, films that have lost the most money this year. Okay. It's, it's been released. I believe this was on Forbes. Okay, so I'm going to just rattle through them. So, top ten, uh, it's a film called Mastermind. I don't think we've had the pleasure yet. We've not. That, Mastermind is the one with Zach Galifianakis, isn't it? It is, yeah, from uh, Jared Hess, who did uh, Napoleon Dynamite. And the reason Natural behind Remake. that making so little money is because its studio went bankrupt. That's why. Right. Its budget was 25 mil, it only reaped 22 mil, so didn't even get a profit on that one. Wow. Number nine Go on. is a film that... You have seen, and it's coming out next week, mm-hmm. Snowden. Snowden. Snowden, Oh, yeah. well, okay. Uh, these, these are all uh, from, from the States. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be Forbes, you can imagine. Uh, number eight, you were not a fan of this one, and nor was I, Grimsby. Oh, no, no, it was. It was god-awful. It really was. And it only made a paltry uh, $28.7 million on a $35 million budget. Wow. Uh, number seven was uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Oh, I liked Whiskey I liked Tango Foxtrot. I liked that as well. Foxtrot. I, 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 I just saw that on a plane. You saw that on a plane? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Lost a lot of films this time on a plane. It was good. <laughs> I remember. Uh, Keeping Up With The Joneses was number six. Uh, and nobody kept up with them. Nobody, nobody kept, kept up with that at all, no. Uh, number five is that Ratchet and Clank Oh, oh God, yeah. Oh. That, that has actually... There's been a lot of think pieces about, like, why that existed and, and where it went wrong. And Yeah. yeah. It's a shame, because I feel like they could have been a good version of it somewhere. Quite possibly. But yeah. uh, no, this film, not very good. Not new, very new, good. New, number new, four, new. I actually quite enjoyed and I saw it recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Pride, Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, I liked that. I thought it was nice. I did, I liked it. It's a bit of fun. It's it's a bit of fun, isn't it? Uh, Number three, this is going to break your heart, my friend. Go on. Pop star, never stop stopping. Never stop, never stopping. Yeah, we got there in the end, but oh my god, why? I love that movie. I know. Oh, I'm so humble. Uh, The budget was 20 mil, only made uh, 
Yeah, uh, 9.5. And yet, would you believe it got it got the almost universally positive reviews in the States? It did, apart from certain critics who were, like, over 45. Yeah, well, that happened in the UK, and a lot of them uh, I remember talking to afterwards, and a surprising number of film critics do not know who Justin Timberlake no, is. No, you have to explain, explain to them who JT was. Yeah, imagine having to explain to a sentient human being in 2016 who Justin Timberlake is. That's... That's a hard conversation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, the actual reality was, well, you know the character in that film you've just seen? Basically, just imagine the real version of that, and yeah. you've got JT. Yeah, um, from, from Trolls. That song that you now cannot get out of your head, <laughs> yeah. that's the guy responsible. <laughs> so that, that, was number, that was number three, right? That was number three. Yeah. Number two was uh, Free State of Jones, which I enjoyed. Ah, uh, yes. I liked it. You, you, you liked, saw it? I've seen it now. I've seen it, yeah. It mm. is very much uh, Prince of Thieves. You saw the Prince of Thieves it's, comparison. Oh, good. It, it is Prince of Thieves. And number one... Go on. With a budget of ten million, reaping only four point four million. Oh god! What I was don't it? think we've had this yet. It's okay. a film called Max Steel. Max Steel? No, we haven't had it yet. But let's, I don't know if that's actually going to get an actual uh, fully fledged theatrical I release. Think based, or if it's... based on this, uh, yeah, on this yeah. kind of success, I know it's got well. a trailer and a release within about a week. So the the first trailer debuted. I think it was from like a week before. Yeah. So it's it's <laughs> sort of it's sort of a superhero film, sort of a sci-fi robot Based on film. Mattel. Is it Mattel? Or it is. A, a toy yeah. Line? It's, it's it's a kid that sort of fuses with a robot. Essentially, mm. and has got all these powers, and it's not doing very well. And I doubt that we're ever going to see it. I did watch the trailer, and I did think. Mm-hmm. I got halfway through the trailer, and I was I was out. I oh, really, I felt like I could could have stood to sit through it. Yeah, I but felt you, like it would have you've given got a, a much higher tolerance for crap. Yes, I. yes, I do. <laughs> much much higher tolerance. It's true. Okay, well, shall we move on to a review? Let's uh, do Sully. Let's yeah. talk about Sully. I've, Sully. I've seen this. Have you? Have you I, heard, I haven't seen you? This, yes. Okay, right. So, uh, well, why don't you take the review for a change? Come on, lead, lead the way. What's the plot of Sully, then, Mister Allen? I am ill prepared. You're ill prepared. I am ill prepared, and I want to drink my coffee. Okay, so it's the story that with the real the true. Story of uh, the real man Chelsea Sullenberger, who was the captain for U.S. Airways and uh, it Flight fifteen forty nine, I think it was, that had to uh, had to sustain a forced water landing into the Hudson when both of the engines went out. Yeah. Due to bird strikes, both of the engines on this on this passenger plane go out. It pretty and much just began its takeoff. It had it, yeah. it hadn't reached an altitude that would have allowed it to have uh, made its way to it's, another airport. It's in the air for is it two hundred seconds? He says something I think like that. It says yeah. about two hundred forty seconds. It might it's be in mad. the. Clip. Yeah. Might be in the clip. I don't know. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, and obviously the uh, this is the real thing. You might remember the miracle on the Hudson. Uh, Tom Hanks is playing Sullenberger here. You've got Aaron Eckhart as the uh, as the co-pilot. And the gist of the film is it begins after the actual miracle on the Hudson. It begins with the beginning of the inquiry, mm. the inquiry into could this have been avoided. And over the course of the following, yeah, about ninety six minutes, isn't it? Like yeah, it's quite it's quite a short, short yeah. film. Yeah. Over the course of the next ninety six minutes, we get to find out exactly what happened in flashback form. Here's a clip today. We- we begin with our operation and human performance investigation on the crash of U.S. Airways Flight 1549. Water landing. Captain? This was not a crash and it wasn't a ditching. We knew what we were trying to execute here. It was not a, it's not a crash. It was a forced water landing. Why didn't you attempt to return to LaGuardia? There simply was not enough altitude. The Hudson was the only place that was long enough and smooth enough and wide enough to even attempt to land the airplane safely. Air traffic testified that you stated you were returning to LaGuardia, but you did not. I realized I could make it back, and it would have eliminated all the other options. Returning to LaGuardia would have been a mistake. Okay, well, let's get into how you calculated all those parameters. There was no time for calculating. I had to rely on my experience of managing the altitude and speed of thousands of flights over four decades. You're saying you didn't do any... I eyeballed it. You eyeballed it. 
Yeah. Hanks then, teaming up with Clint Eastwood. Captain um, Hanks. Well, yeah, because, I mean, we all know, I mean, if you've got a captain to cast, you go and you get Tom Hanks. That's it. If that you can't get um, Barkhad uh, Abdi to be the captain now, <laughs> you just give it to Tom. Because we all know that Barkhad Abdi is the captain He's the captain now. So, um, so what did you think of, of, of Sully then, Mr. Earl? Um, I liked it. It had, it had a feel of a TV film, definitely. I found and that I, as well, I actually. don't know if the non-linear storytelling aspect worked that uh, well. I but. felt like that was trying to push a justification for its existence. Yes, this is a theatrical thing mm. because we've got non-linear experimental I, I do with think it. that it's a story that deserves to be told because mm. it was pretty amazing what happened. I, I remember when it happened. It was it was incredible. It was just a surprise of, okay, there's a plane in the Hudson. Okay, makes complete sense. Yep. <laughs> but I did like Hanks and I thought Hanks was very good, but in that effortless way, it was yeah, it was effortless Hanks. So, this was so reliable. Yeah, yeah. This, this is this is workman workmanlike Hanks really. Mm. This is not pushing him into it's not anything Captain new. Phillips. It's not. This is more Bridge of Spies, Hanks. I would yeah. say. I would go with that. When mm. that's not just a workman like you know, there's a negative connotation to that. There, there isn't in the case of Hanks. Yeah. His workman like is it fine. services the story. It does. Yeah. yeah. I thought Aaron Eckhart uh, deserves a more more praise than he's getting for this. I thought Aaron Eckhart really, was, was yeah, really likable. Really good support in turn. And there's some wasted uh, cast members in there. I thought Laura I mean, Linney. Laura Linney totally wasted. Why on earth they bothered to get Anna Gunn in there from Breaking yeah. Bad? Yeah, I Sky counted. I counted. She had seven lines. Right. Okay. Seven lines. Yeah. yeah. And most of those were at the very end. <laughs> I think uh, until until the, the, the final ten minutes of the film, she has two lines, and then she gets five all at once. So fair play to her. But so Skylar's clearly moving on to bigger and better things. Um, I did think it was it was definitely worth the watch. I think it is. It, it you know it's, it's a Tom Hanks film directed by Clint Eastwood. It is good. It's well directed. It's the first time they've ever worked together as well, which is pretty cool. I was shocked at that as well because they are two you American just think cinema like, legends. By this point, they would have worked together. I think it did bring the requisite Clint Eastwood style of American regency to the story. Mm. I think it needed that. Um, there is this sort of weirdly subdued color palette to it, and I found as well. I thought I was. A very strange choice, but it kind of works. Um, I, on the whole, I quite liked it, but I did feel like the non-linear, the idea of showing things out of sequence, the way it was framed, I think, there is this very visible attempt to justify why this is a theatrical offering. And, I mean, even the runtime doesn't particularly help in that regard. It mm. does feel very much like Clint Eastwood's done a TV movie, but because it stars Tom Hanks, you are going to pay the money, you are going to sit there in the dark <laughs> in silence, and you are going to watch it and pay attention. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? I think you pretty much summed it up. Fair enough, then. So uh, we should plug the podcast real quick before we move on, then. Yeah, where where can we be found? We can be found on Deezer. We can be found on Acast. We can be found on iTunes. We can be found on TuneIn. Pick your podcast platform of choice. Uh, just type in off screen. It's on there. You get the full and extended version of the show, which this week includes two reviews we can't fit into the radio edit, and those are for Chirac and... and uh, uh, eat this question, Frank Zappa. Yeah, the Frank Zappa yeah, documentary. Really can't wait to see that. And, of course, if you also go on to onscreenfilm.com, you can find it there, along with some competitions, because we love Ooh. giving you the chance to win things. Yeah, I wish I could win things. Uh, I want things. Technically speaking, there is nothing in the... You can enter, but you are subject to the same look of the draw as everyone else. I yeah, think. but my, my moral compass is far too strong. That, that's fair, that. that's fair. Um, well, no, the competitions at the moment, uh, we've got Bad Santa for another few days. That yeah, ends, that's an especially cool bundle. Mm-hmm. That ends on Monday, I think, on, on Monday the... Is it Monday the 5th? I think? Uh, it is indeed Monday the 5th. Monday the 5th, yeah. it ends on there. And on Monday the 5th, we're starting another competition up. You're going to love this. Well, off we go. We're yeah. giving away DVDs of a film we never got to review because of, uh, I believe, Your Wedding Girl. 
actually. When you went oh, away that, for, yeah, in August. Which yeah. which film was it? What big film did we miss because of your wedding? We missed Kevin Spacey being a cat. <laughs> so if you want to get to see Nine Lives, all you need to do is pop Can I, can I have a copy as a belated wedding gift? <laughs> I will physically go out and buy you one right yes. now and put it in. Put it in. Congratulations on your nuptials packaging. Thank you. But you're uh, a true true pal. Yeah, so pop on anytime on screenfilm.com anytime from uh, Monday the 5th and yep, have your chance to win. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. And we're back. So, shall we, uh, shall, we, shall we tread some water now? Let's tread some water. Well, funnily enough, actually, if you didn't like Moana, that would be a really fitting way to review it. Like, I've not heard anyone that doesn't like Moana. Now, to be fair, I don't think it's amazing, but I did like it. Well, tell me more. Okay, so tell Moana... Me more, tell me more. Did he have a car? It, it, it is the 965th film from Disney, and, which I'm sure if you looked into it, it's probably actually the case. It's in the hundreds. I'm going to look into it. And the, I, it Obviously, we're not, we're not talking about just for classics. Just the problem is, if you ever look into Disney, there is, that, there is a list of things that includes their obscure live-action cartoon oh, hybrids from the, from the 50s. They're incredible. And, and then there's the question of whether or not you include Song of the South now, or if we've revisionised it from history... Um, well, Donald Trump is going to be president, so we'll probably bring it back. Yeah, actually, it's probably going to be a remake. If Donald now, Trump imagine, is president, yeah. can we not declassify uh, Song of the South now and have it back in uh, on, on DVD and Blu-ray? Because it was never released for that exact reason. Mm. It was always deemed too racist to be allowed to be released in Well, apparently the nothing can be too racist now. Apparently not, yeah. no. Um, so, um, whatever, 954th film from Disney. Uh, this one stars The Rock, would you believe, which is how it's really being marketed. Disney does The Rock. And you've got a young princess named Moana. She's a Polynesian chieftain's daughter, and they live on a sort of isolationist kind of island community. Um and one day, the, the island falls victim to an ancient sea curse, which starts to deprive them of their fish sauce and rot all their coconuts. So basically, the island is going to starve to death unless Moana breaks the long-standing uh, rule that you're not allowed to sail out past the reef. And she does exactly that, um, along with her loyal chicken co- uh, sidekick, Hey, 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 Hey. Um, who's weirdly is voiced by Alan Tudyk of all people because mm. hey Disney or hey yeah, hey course, Disney yeah. he's kind of like the new John Ratzenberg isn't he he is isn't yeah. he and then uh, she sets off to track down the demi- the mischievous demigod known as Maui who's voiced by the the rock and who Dwayne Johnson sorry who's voiced by Dwayne Johnson who, who you've seen on every poster for this and force him to return an ancient sea heart jewel thing to the place from where he stole it and set the curse right and yeah here's a clip Maui Shapeshifter, demigod of the wind and sea, I am Moana Hero of, of Mo- Men. Wh- what? It's actually Maui Shapeshifter, demigod of the wind and sea, Hero of Men. I interrupted from the top, Hero of Men. Go. Uh, I am Sorry, Mo- sorry, sorry, sorry. And women. Men and women. Both. All. Not a guy-girl thing. Uh, you know, Maui is a hero to all. You're doing great. What? No. I'm here too. Oh, of course, of course. Yes, 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 yes. Now he always has time for his fans. When you use a bird to write with, it's called tweeting. <laughs> I know, not every day you get a chance to meet your hero. You are not my hero. And I'm not here 
so you can sign my or. So here, here is the issue with Moana, which is we've entered this new renaissance of, of Disney, right? So we, we, we you know, post-Tangled, uh, really. You can argue that it started with Tangled. With, with I would Mac. argue that it started with Princess and the Frog, but... Princess and the Frog, really? Okay. Yeah. Definitely. I was kind of quietly received when it opened, but fair enough, I'll go with that. I'll go with Princess and the Frog. And if we start from there, they ha- there have been some genuine classics, like all-time Disney classics. Like, even Big Hero 6, you can argue, falls into the pantheon of an all-time Disney classic. And you're rolling your eyes at me like, what? That wasn't a full eye roll. That was more that I just, I looked to the side. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> the problem with this one is that this is not quite up to the level of a Disney classic. It is, it's a very enjoyable, visually stunning, engaging Disney animated family romp. It's just, there's nothing classical about it. it to put it into context, if Frozen is Beauty and the Beast, this is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. So I'm not saying The Hunchback of Notre Dame is bad. I enjoyed the film very much. I enjoy it more than Frozen. No, I'm not saying you enjoy... I'm saying, do you enjoy Hunchback more than Beauty and the Beast, is the question. Now, oh, God, no. Yeah, exactly. See, it, it's that equation. But it, I would but I would never equate Beauty and the Beast to Frozen. That's no, I'm talking in terms of the quality barrier. Right. Okay, not, not, yeah, never mind. Neither here nor there. Um, Your analogy didn't work, man. <laughs> Let it go. How dare you destroy my analogy? I thought you were accusing me of destroying my algae then. I was about to say, what? Your algae? Algae. No. Yeah, no. There is shrubbery in the movie. That helps. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, um, your character actors, you know, they bring some bring some flair to it all. You've got Dwayne Johnson. You've got, I can never pronounce her first name, Ollie Carvalho, I think her name yep. is, um, as uh, Moana. They effectively have to carry this film as a sort of two-hander, and they've got some spark, they've got some wit, and they've got some life in it, and there's a lot of heart there. And the relationship works, and the relationship does carry it. The problem is that so much of it is set on the open water that it does feel like it it drags unnecessarily at times because it's not really much of a change of scenery for a lot of it. Um, they've also got this very strange deus ex machina built into the plot whereby Moana having this sea stone thing that she has, the MacGuffin of the plot, has the ability to basically interact with water. Water can physically help her with things and it does feel like it robs the film of any real consequence or threat or suspense as a result because you you know this character can get out of it in a second with just yeah, this it's, it's the lord of the rings eagles it is it's the lord of the rings eagles there's a reason those eagles are held for the very very end but yeah same thing here and they they stop just short of giving her frozen style control of the water which is a really really good thing because the entire third act would be inert in an instant um one clever thing i do have to credit it for is they have given dwayne johnson's maui this sort of central intelligence style ambiguity so you never quite know for the longest amount of time you don't quite know what his motivations mm. are because they play it kind of Loki-esque if you remember how Loki used to be when Marvel first started is he evil? I can't quite tell yeah. Yeah. who does he work for? yeah there was that whole thing going on and Dwayne Johnson plays it perfectly in the way that he did in Central Intelligence so as I say you will enjoy it and you'll love the music and this unlike Frozen does at least think to include a big third act musical number because well, that's good yeah because Frozen really dropped the ball on that one didn't it? Yeah. Like Frozen got to, hey, here's a big musical number in the first act. Second act, here's Let It Go. And it's got a villain as well, yeah. which Frozen kind of didn't really Well, actually, have, this of. has two villains. No. But, but and what one is a sort of incidental guest villain, as I like to call You know, in Disney films, you always get these guest villains. Yeah. You get one about halfway through this movie, you'll never guess who provides the voice. Uh, Jermaine Clement. 
It is Jermaine Clement. You looked it up on IMDb, didn't you? I did not. He's just my answer for everything. He's the new Kavonjane Wallace. <laughs> He's the new Kavonjane Wallace. Fair enough. As I say, your kids will like it. You'll like it. But I don't think it's going to get put on as often as, for instance, Tangled or Zootopia. I think when it comes to the DVD shelf in years to come, this is going to be one of the less rewatched, I think. I don't know. I, I feel like in the extras, we need to just have, we need to have a talk. We'll, we'll debate. We'll debate in the extras. We'll debate the Disney conundrum. Okay, give me some news real quick, then. I've got some animated feature news. Okay, go let's, on. Let's no, tie it in with more on it. Okay, so uh, the um, the annual Annie Awards, okay. which is essentially like a... Animation Oscars. It's the Animation Oscars is what yeah. it is. This is here the films that are pretty much going to be nominated for the uh, Best Animated Feature Oscar. Uh, they have uh, detailed who's up for their Best Animated Feature Award. Okay, anyone anyone of note? I'm going to let you guess. I'm going to let you guess who who, who, uh, who the five, five uh, films are. Okay, Kubo and the Two Strings. Bingo. Zootopia. Yep. Uh, oh, mm, trying to think what else now. Oh, oh, any chance of Ethel and Ernest? Sadly not. So oh, no. Okay. Not. Do you want me to tell you? You go on. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Finding Dory. Finding Dory. Fair. Yeah, absolutely. Finding Dory, Kubo, uh, Moana. Moana, okay. Zootopia. What is that fifth one? Uh, it, it's not going to be a sequel of Pets, is it? No. No, what is it? Kung Fu Panda 3. Wow, really? Yeah. Kung Fu Panda, over, over Secret Life of Pets. Yes. I'm, I'm gobsmacked. I enjoyed it more than Secret Life of Pets, because well, it's not just Toy Story for Dogs. Okay, fair enough. And yes, we did see the Honest trailer this week. Should we have the box office top let's, 10? Let's today? have the box office top 10 for this week. Number 10. Patterson. Which, have you? I don't know if you've had the chance to enjoy this yet. We did have a screening link, I believe, for this one. But uh, Yeah, is, I've, I've not seen it as of yet. This is Adam Driver and Jim Jarmusch, so you can kind of guess the tone off that description alone. It's very um, Jarmuschian. Very Jarmuschian. It is, very, it is a very ponderous, navel-gazing type of film. Um, Adam, Pat, uh, Adam Patterson, Adam Driver, <laughs> who plays the bus driver, Patterson, in the movie Patterson. Who lives in the town. Which is Patterson. set in Patterson. <laughs> uh, Adam Driver terrific in it I liked him very much I also quite like Barry Shabaka Henley in it um, Jarmusch usual great direction um, stylistic flair of using his actual poetry as a visual representation on screen thought that was quite well used um, I, I couldn't quite find my place within it that was my problem I couldn't quite adjust to the film uh, there were things about it I liked to say but I did find it quite a distancing affair because I couldn't quite get involved with it it, it, it left me it left me cold number nine Dear Zindagi which is a Bollywood film and therefore we've not been press shown it and therefore we haven't seen it and therefore we can't really talk about it number eight Andre Ryu's Christmas Concert 2016 one which, for the Nans, which, which wasn't press shown and no. therefore we can't talk about it and therefore <laughs> we can't number seven Doctor Strange which we did see which, and we like you know the annoying part is that we can't find a button that's Dormammu I've come to bargain I know we're probably not going to have that until it's out on Blu-ray and by that point it's not obviously not going to be in the top 10 I anymore I have scoured the internet for that clip there's got to be some other button from just something else that'll be relevant. if you go on YouTube it, there are loads of cam jobs buttons. there are cam jobs of it on YouTube yeah. but uh, there are no and the audio is terrible on them so you can't find a soundbite of Dormammu I've come to bargain, bargain. Um, did you see the Black Friday memes, by the way? Because there were about a billion. I did not know there were so many, <laughs> and they're just like shots of Doctor Strange holding a plasma TV with Dormammu. I've come to bargain. That's great, and <laughs> there's a lot of that going around. But that's the thing, Doctor Strange. I like for In fact, Doctor Strange has a, 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 an almost brilliant comparison point with Moana in a strange way, which is Doctor Strange is great on its own mm. terms, but in the pantheon of its wider brand, it's not quite. It doesn't quite. I take umbrage with that. 
I take umbrage with comparing a film just because it's from a studio that has made classic films. Because if you do that, then you'll start, you'll get into this infinite bloody loop, like Doctor Strange, of comparing every Warner's film to every Warner's film to every Fox film to every Fox film. I do compare every Warner's film to every Warner's film. Let's let's get the next one fire, yeah. Busting embolism. Fine, you know what? We'll move on. (laughs) Number six. A United Kingdom. Oh, I I had to go and see this, obviously, uh, at a public show on Friday. Yeah, so give us quite a brief review about it. Right, very brief review. Because this is the story of uh, Soretsi. Uh, Karma, Soretsi Karma. It's a really interesting story. Really interesting. I didn't know it. I did not know the story. And um, his basically his forced separation from his wife, uh, Ruth Williams, mm-hmm. um, when he, let's say, he's the would be inherent king of Botswana, really, um, marries, you know, the common woman. He married, well, Rosamund Pike is the common woman. I mean, I guess yeah. so, someone cast that. I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want to be the common woman? Let's get the she, original she, Kensington. She looks like royalty. She does, doesn't yeah. she? But uh, I, I feel like if they ever redo the Grace Kelly movie... Ah, oh, that's, that's your girl. Yeah, that's yeah, your girl totally. right there. Like, let's forget the other one happened. Who played it in that one? I can't remember now. Oh, it was... Uh, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. yeah, let's redo that, but do it better and get, you know, Rosamund yeah. Pike in there. But neither here nor there. Uh, very stirring, very well written. Biggest problem with it is it does feel like a televised sort of retread. It feels like every one of these classical movies does, which is to say, here's a true story and all the really big action-y, plot action stuff is going to happen in the final ten minutes. You've got a great pair of central performances from uh, David Oyelowo and Rosamund Pike. You've got a brilliantly sleazy turn from not only Jack Davenport, whom I have missed on no screen. I have missed him. As a fight. It was good when he showed up in Kingsman for a yes, split second. For, for a very, very brief... Yeah. Uh, and he was, he was great in that scene as well. Could he you not really watch good. the movie about that? Well, I really just, just his character. Just his character. Yeah, being, I'd, I'd be interested in that. Yeah, yeah. I would like that. Okay, but, um, yeah, not only Jack Davenport, but also Tom Felton, who oh, manages really? to not annoy me for the first time in a while. I mean, I think there was this... <laughs> and you've, you've been watching The Flash as I've well. been watching The Flash. He doesn't quite annoy me in The Flash. I like except him for, in The Flash. Except for certain irritations involving plot movements but that's not his fault he is but an actor he is but an actor um and then of course you've got the weirdest bit of casting you've ever seen in a film directed by someone like amara sante which is who do you think they cast to play rosamund pike's dad tom wilkinson that's it should be right that's who you would get do you know who they actually got I i swear to god i'm not making this up nicholas lindhurst Really? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Rodney that Trotter. Be, that must be the highest profile job he has had. That, for it about really is, isn't it? Yeah. Rodney Trotter's highest, highest profile gig in decades. But I would recommend seeing it if you have an interest in the history of it. Yeah. Um, if you, I mean, if you don't know the history of it, you're going to learn something, actually. It's quite a surprisingly revelatory film. Um, the problem is, if it is a story of which you're kind of aware, it's not really going to, I don't think it's going to surprise you very much. There's some great performances in there, but this is quite clearly a film that's going to, uh, going to film four very quickly. It's six months is on film four, and from the director of Bell, you frankly kind of expect more. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. And we're back. So, where shall we go next, Mr. Elm? Let's go. To the edge of seventy. To the edge of seventy. I've been looking forward to this. Do you know what? So have I. So have I. I really, oh. really have. Did I just say so have I in reply to your so have I? Never mind. Okay. Okay. Let's- <laughs> <laughs> That's what the next 10 minutes is going to be. It's just as both going, so have I. So have I. So have so I, I, yeah. So have I. So, right, so this is the feature film directorial debut of writer Kelly Fremont Craig, who brought us... Do you remember that Alexis Bledel uh, comedy, Post-Grad? 
Yeah, vaguely. Do you, do you vaguely remember yeah. it? Basically, the one where Rory Gilmore grew up was how most of us remember it. Yeah, before the Gilmore Girls before, revival. Before Rory yeah. Gilmore actually grew up and you know carried on as Rory Gilmore. Um, so she wrote that, and that's like her only gig before this. Mm. So what you've got here is a teen dramedy for girls, written by a girl. And directed by a girl. So, actually, this is one of those rare girl teen tragedies. Because I don't know if you've noticed, that is a really dwindling market now. Mm. Like, we are rapidly running low. It seems to be all aimed at tweens now. Mm. Like, even when Jane Levi, Jane Levi, Jane Levy had a go a few years Levy. back, yeah. she, she went into the tween category. Don't know why, but yeah, still. There, there is a, there is definitely a difference. There is definitely a gap. Yeah. So what you get instead is something that's pitching itself as, as slotting into that one slightly more serious space next to Mean Girls and the to-do list and the duff. I knew you were going to say the duff. Really? Yeah. Well, just, you know just, I love the duff. Just from the trailer. Yeah. As do I. Yeah, really, you know I love the duff. Really enjoy the film. Right. So what you've got is you've got a, a 16-year-old girl named Nadine. She was played by uh, Hayley Steinfeld. She's got a loyal best friend who one day at a, at a party hooks up with her brother. So the best friend hooks up with her brother, and uh, as such, she basically loses the best friend through sort of forced social separation, as it were, because the brother can't really be hanging around the sister. Uh, he's a jock, she's an outcasty nerd, but their their father died years earlier, and that she's become sort of a recluse and sort of an outsider as a result of it. And the meanwhile, all this you have the teacher who's trying to get through to her who. Through to her, played by Woody Harrelson, who acts like he hates her, but clearly he really doesn't. And then you've got the struggling mum, who's played by Kira Sedgwick, who's really just trying to keep things afloat. And then you've got um, the would-be suitor, who's kind of the friend-zoned guy, who so clearly is in love with her, but, you know, can't really break through that friend barrier. And, well, here's a clip. You don't know anything, Nadine. I'm sorry, it's gonna happen. No, I'm sorry, it's not gonna happen. Because your brother just asked me to be his girlfriend into prom in May. Yeah, he did. He he just asked me that. <laughs> you can't you you can't have both. It's me or him. Pick. No, I'm no, I'm not gonna pick. It's me or him. Do you want him Nadine, or do you want Nadine, me? This is Why can't a choice. you just say I'm, me? No, him or me now? No, I'm not gonna. You pick. know what? Then we're done. We're done. <sighs> Fine. Haley Steinfeld there, and well, here's a shocker for you. It turns out Haley Steinfeld is an actual movie star. There is an actual movie star quality to Haley Steinfeld. Now, she's always been on the cusp of becoming this massive breakout actress. And you look at when she was a kid, and she was in things like True Grit, and she's she's, nominated for an Oscar. She was. I was like, one of her first big roles, and then she's turned up in things through the years, like Ender's Game, and she always makes a great impression. Here is the star role. This is the Haley Steinfeld movie, and strap yourselves in because it's a Belter. What you have here is an out-and-out instant classic of its own little weird subdued subgenre. You know this subgenre that we're effectively killing off by not making them anymore. It, yeah. It's a lot. Although when we do really, really good entries like the Duff, yeah, it's, it's it stands very welcome, out, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, Haley Steinfeld, absolute star here. Uh, Woody Harrelson tries to steal every scene he's in by basically playing Woody Harrelson in that way that he does also well. And he, you know what, Haley Steinfeld's not having any of it. She rolls with the punches, she takes it all in, and she absolutely delivers. Um, you've got a film which manages to make you laugh, make you cry, doesn't patronize, doesn't condescend. It will genuinely have you gripped. And here's the strange part: when you sit and look at it all actually there isn't that much story going on here like the plot i've just described to you that's actually the entirety of the plot and yet i love this film i thought it was great 
I laughed and I was I was moved and I was and I you know, I had a great soundtrack which I actually recognised some songs for a change so I'm not that oh, so it was all pre nineteen seventy five or pre seventy five yeah um, yeah so I'm, great, I'm not that past songs. it yet I, I did actually recognise a song or two here and there I did really really enjoy it. I cannot record you should need to run out and see this film if you have an interest mm. in you know Mean Girls to the To Do List the Duff if you like if those three films if any of them are on your you know watch when you need cheering up DVD list. Then you need to get this in your life right now. Do you know who the producer is on this? I did, but go on. James L. Brooks. It is, yes, yeah, it is James really, L. Brooks. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense when you think about it. There's another one, didn't Al? Oh, that was it. I was looking the other day. Al Jean um, was involved in a TV show the other day. And I, I never knew about oh, right. it. I could. I'll, I'll try and remember what it was. Uh, but yeah, James L. Brooks. I did know that, and I was like, okay, it kind of makes sense yeah, because it's it a sense, really yeah. warm, fluffy film. Um, Kelly from On Craig, uh, really stellar job on here, mm. and this, quite, this is the first time as a director. This is the first time as a director for a debut. This thing's astonishing for a, for a dramedy debut. Mm. Astonishing thing, and given what a certain Disney exec said about uh, female filmmakers this past week, I think they should snap her up as a More potential <laughs> a potential Captain Marvel yeah. candidate, I would suggest. because Oh, for, for the Marvel side, not the Star Wars side. For the Marvel side, I think yeah. she would be actually a, a serious contender. I would consider her. Interesting. I, I would genuinely consider it. So uh, give me some news then before we finish the top ten. I've got some crazy news. Crazy news. I like crazy news. Come on. There is a parallel universe uh-huh. where I want to live in where... Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home uh-huh. featured Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I did know that. Ah, well, this is news just to me and do to you, other people. Do you not know nerds. every single Star Trek movie has, at one stage in its development, had a massive star attached, and that star has nearly always dropped out? Tell me some of the stars. Let's 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 flip the uh, verses. Sean news. Connery was going to be Cybok in Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier. So Cybok is Spock's half brother. Spock's half brother. Yeah. yeah. Um, trying to think who else. Oh, was Eddie Murphy that was going to be? Yeah. He was going to be playing an astrophysicist, and then dropped out because something went more political. Yeah. Which the co-writer said. Uh, yeah, he was going to be political. an astrophysicist who believed in aliens and abductions. Who believed he'd been abducted by aliens, and that's what Kirk and Spock were. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else there was now. Um, Star Trek: First Contact nearly had someone. Big in it, I can't remember who it was. Uh, no, I pass. I do you know what? They've all they've all escaped me. There is a list, and I have them somewhere. That is something to dig out. I will that, dig that out for you that, next that week. That could be an interesting talk for next week. I will find out next week for you because there's. Oh, that was it. They wanted Tom Hanks to be Zephyr Cochran in First Contact. That Zephram was the Cochran, one. Is that that's, that's the guy that the guy that yeah. invents warp drive? Who is James Cromwell? Which is Tom. twenty years old this last week. First Contact. Good lord, is it really? Yeah, which means twenty. It was this last week. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's finish off the top ten before I get even more depressed. There you go. Number five, Arrival, which I loved. It, it, we, we had a, a thing of mock movie posters earlier where they put honest titles mm. on it, and it said "Contact but Good." And you know what? Hard to disagree. It's Contact meets Sphere, and there's a lot of cerebral stuff in there. It's very. Um, uh, it would you could describe it as dry. You could describe it as quite dry mm. science fiction, but there is a humanity to it that shines through. I think they've developed it well. I think they've taken what's effectively a forty-page short story and really expanded it to something just brilliant in its own right. I think there's a there's a great screenplay to it. There is a wonderful direction by Denis Villeneuve, who is really asserting himself as someone that we should all be paying attention to. Yeah, now. I can't um, wait for Blade Runner. 2049 oh, now. His his caliber at this stage it has, in my opinion, exceeded Ridley Scott in terms of just sheer mythical awesomeness. Mm. And considering he's now onto his Blade Runner movie, I actually think he has turned out better and more consistent work than Ridley Scott did when he did his Blade Runner. 
number four. Bad Santa 2. So this is one of the big Christmas films it of is. the year. Yep, get to the season. It left me cold, I've got to be honest. I did laugh, but it's a really thin sort of retread of the same basic formula of the first movie. We're yeah. swapping out the, the mall for a charity this time. And it's it's pretty weird that a longer sequel comes out and is good. Well, yeah, yeah, it's true. And I mean, Billy Bob's great in it. Billy Bob Thornton's great in it. And Tony Cox, it's just nice to see him and Tony Cox back at the sniping. Yeah. And uh, Kathy Bates absolutely steals the show. Got to give her that. But uh, you, you all come away from it. You think, well, they clearly missed what it was we liked about Bad Santa, which was that it was this. It had heart behind some of the nastiest humour you've mm. ever heard. It was foul mouth, but it was foul mouth with a glint in its eye. And this, the glint's gone here. The heart and soul sort of been stripped away. And what you've got is very much a studio job. This is the indie band that's then you know gotten signed by the big studio and released the second far less successful album. That's what this is in a nutshell. Number three. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> what he said. Trolls. So uh, you've not oh, seen Trolls, have you? Um, right, so Trolls, uh, just Timberlake and Kendrick. I liked it. I didn't expect to. It wore me down quite quickly because it is just uncompromisingly it's like a sugar cheerful. Rush, isn't it? It is. It is like basically strapping yourself into a cinema chair and being injected with sherbet. Is it like having uh, Haribo Tankrastics melted down and then injected straight into your eyes? Yes, that's exactly what it's like. That's exactly how I would describe it, in fact. I, I, I was actually, funnily enough, there was a point in the film in which I sat and thought... I really wish I was eating candy floss while I was watching because <laughs> that's what it looks like. It looks. Do you remember the Rainbow World from uh, Wreck It Ralph, the Rainbow do, Racing? Yeah, world. Yeah. Just imagine that. Penelope von Schweetz. Yeah, imagine what it'd be like to live there and and then crystallize it down to an hour and a half, and you've basically got trolls. Number two, Mister and Mrs. Smith's divorce. <laughs> Allied, which I I liked the first half of. First half's great. Can't can't complain about the first half. First half's terrific. Watch that twice. Got a great film. Watch that twice. You'll have a great time. But, uh, yeah, when it becomes a The Brad Pitt show and Marianne Cotillard is sidelined and given a few fleeting things to do, and she's great and all, but there's not enough of her, considering that she's a very integral part of the film, you've basically got a kind of forgettable thriller that should be anything but, given everyone involved, that ultimately ends on a note of making you wonder, hang on, he actually really didn't do that much in the name of sort of, you know, uncovering his wife, but never mind. Number one. But, you know, that, that wizarding thing. That wizarding thing. <sighs> J.K. Rowling yeah. and How to Make a Billion. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, I liked. I mean, I liked for the I liked most it part. Well. And it was, yeah. it's fine, isn't it? It's, it's a go around the Harry Potter world again. And mm. this is the thing with I it. Mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely like um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, isn't it? Like, no one claims that that is their favourite. No, no. Film. I think this is going to be remembered the same way. Yeah, yeah. Same, it's, it's, it's where you start. start. I think as a launching platform, it's pretty good. It's not really original in its own right, but as we say, it's a franchise launcher. We're not expecting this to reinvent the wheel. We don't expect to begin with Azkaban. Mm. You begin with Philosopher's Stone, and that's very much where you are, albeit Philosopher's Stone in this case is basically goosebumps with Doctor Who running around. And and then there's Dan Fogel in there as well, and Catherine Waterston, and Colin Farrell, who's just got the most frightening haircut you've seen in years. Yeah, it's also the best he's been since in Bruges. Yeah, I have I have missed yeah. Colin Farrell. Oh, actually, no, The Lobster. Which the Lobster. Do you know I have never seen The Lobster? You need to watch it, because it may feature on your top list of I, I definitely need to. Get a watcher. Well, on which note, we cue the music. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back and dancing. So, some bit, bit quick news then, and we'll have our final review of the week. A little bit, and I think this is some pretty important news. What you got for me? Netflix. Yeah. Our favourite streaming service. Uh, but we talk about 
often on the show. F- fairly. Comes up once or twice. They finally caught up with Amazon Prime, All 4, and BBC iPlayer. Go on. And you can now download and watch films offline. Oh, thank God. Finally. So that is going to make your commute to London every week so much sweeter. Oh, God, yes. So much better. Yeah. That's, that's pretty that, good. That that's is awesome, isn't it? good that's news. Really yeah. good. Yeah, because you see a lot of people on, on the tube and I think watching like Luther on iPlayer and because they've just had Luther. to download, uh, download it and offline it. Yeah, that's really big yeah. news. So you just presumably it's, there's an update to the app. You just so, yeah, so if, and, if you want to watch The Crown next week when mm. you're going down to see whatever films you're seeing, you well, can. Well, I, I did read somewhere that not all titles are available yet. It's something they're introducing incrementally. Oh, really? This yeah. is something I that's read. That's interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. Presumably the Netflix originals will be the first to get the, uh, oh, the treatment. I, but yeah. <laughs> that's a given. I'm, I'm sure it is a given. Yeah. I'm sure Gilmore Girls A Year in the Life is available for offline viewing. Which I watched in a complete block. Did you Did you love? In one night. I did love. I did love. But there were some people <laughs> that didn't love, and I think they just need to get over themselves. It's what a show, so far. but... It's it's just nice to see those characters again. It's it like it's like having a big hug, <laughs> essentially. Right, uh, tell me about Bleed for this because I understand this is not like a big hug. No, not no. at all. Bleed for this is the true story of uh, Vinny uh, Pazienza, who's uh, a boxer who was effectively crippled for a while. He uh, mm. got into a car accident and uh, he faced the risk of actually severing his spine. So he had to have his head wired into a set, set position. He wasn't allowed to move his neck. Oh, and this went on for a long time. Basically, he was forced out of the game. He wasn't um, he, he wasn't kind of looking forward to the idea of giving up his boxing career. So he stages a comeback, as it were, Getting his his coach, who's in this case played by uh, Aaron Eckhart, to secretly train him in order to actually stage his comeback and and basically find someone who will actually face him because nobody wanted to wanted to hit him for the risk of actually paralysing, killing him, or basically snapping his neck in the ring. So here is Miles Teller in bleed for this. We're not done here, Vinny. We're not. No, we just need to you know figure out what's next for you. The whole world outside the ring. You know, Kev, I'm getting pretty sick of people talking about me like I'm dead. Like I died in that car wreck. Like it's just over for me. Kev, I'm gonna fight again. No, you ain't, Vinny. What everybody here knows. They're afraid to say it to your face. I'm not gonna fight again. It's over. You know when you're at uni and you do a film course and there's always that one film that someone makes where there's mobsters and basically you've got a bunch of English guys putting on the worst kind of Italian-American accents you can think of. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, can imagine. imagine that's this as a film, yeah. basically. Um, it feels for, like it's been built from the ground up as a very cynical attempt to uh, win an Oscar to snag someone involved in Oscar, presumably Miles Teller. Now, I'm not going to deny for one second that Miles Teller should have at least earned a nomination for Whiplash, which I still, to this day, believe is the finest film and finest performance of his career. Side note, even though you said that he should have been played by Dane DeHaan. Even though I still believe he should have been played by the original choice, Dane DeHaan. Um, What you've got here is a case of let's take the Oscar bag of tricks, shake it up and apply it to ourselves, but let's multiply. It's like a studio exec took a look at Million Dollar Baby and went, I'll do Billion Dollar Baby. And that's what... (laughs) Exactly like that. Um, You've got Ben Younger, who's (laughs) who's the the writer who brought us Boiler Room, which is a film I absolutely adore. 
Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Vin, Diesel Vin Diesel and Ben Affleck yeah. and Giovanni Ricci. And uh, he has come up with some absolutely appalling dialogue here. Um, it feels at times like it's bordering on parody. Um, because you've got uh, Miles Seller, who's really phoning it. It was oh, the worst Italian-American accent you've heard this side of Jack O'Connell in Unbroken. Um, with the dodgy pencil stash and the, the, the weird fake nose. And he's not skipped leg day, so he's buffed up. And that's what he thinks his performance is all about. Aaron Eckhart, meanwhile, has gone full monster where he's done the whole prosthetic makeup effects and he's got the sort of shaved slightly head on the head so he looks like he's balding and he's got the silly accent as well. And you've got Kieran Hines who's got a couple of prosthetic bits on there and he's doing a silly accent as well. And then Ted Levine turns up and you don't know it's him for the longest time because he's basically unrecognisable. And you come away from it thinking, good lord, this is daft. It really is daft. It makes Here Comes the Boom look like Raging Bull at times. It's it's one of these films that's been directed by a man who thinks that, well, he seems to have aimed his films at people who've never seen a film before. His, his attempt to visually build suspense is outright just... Verges on the satirical. You kind of hope it's a work of satire. Like he's actually satirizing the concept of suspense and 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 drama because everything is telegraphed. You can see him. He, he phones in his punches. He literally does, mm. and it just doesn't work. Nothing about it works. You can predict every stage of it. The minute he gets into his accident, like, oh, okay, I know where this is going now, and I know the minute you see this car pulling away from it, you know where that's going now, and the minute everything in it is just dialed in and you come away from it all you just feel like you've wasted about an hour and 50 of your life you think, what what the hell is this by miles teller's own low standard in my estimation this is actually verging on a new low he although given credit where it's due he manages to be inadvertently funnier than he actually was intentionally in any of his prior comedic work what was that one I tried to watch recently? Was it 21 uh, and over? No, but I have seen that. It was uh, that Lord. awkward moment. Oh, that awkward moment. nine minutes in. Yeah? Nine yeah. Minutes. Was it the awkward moment where you realised, good Lord, this sucks? Yeah. So, and Miles Teller sucks. I thought I could and, be doing yeah. anything else. But uh, uh, no. Didn't like it, didn't like it at all. And of course, well, we know what film of the week is. I think it's, it's plainly obvious. At this I point. thought it was just going to be belief in this. I thought you were just going to be like, <laughs> Miles Teller... Automatic win. <laughs> no, uh, no. Film of the week. Edge of seventeen. Get yourself out there. Get get this scene. Do it now. Do it. Just, just just spend your weekend watching this film. If you can find two hours, go and see it. I like it just because it's uh, named after a song by Stevie Nicks. Is it? So, I did not know that. Yeah. I'm surprised that song is not in the soundtrack. I know, I don't might know. Well, much. It might well be. Might well I think be. it might be a bit of an oldie for the given the sort of soundtrack that it has. But next week we've got some interesting things. We've got. Uh... What have we got? Right, so Office Christmas Party, that's next week. I feel like that's not been marketed very well. No, no, it's it's not been marketed really at all. No. Uh, TJ Miller, Jennifer Aniston, Jason Bateman, Tim Kate, Meadows, Kate McKinnon, Julian Bell. Julian Bell? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is that's just got a pretty decent. decent it's, just, it's it's nice when we actually decide to make a Christmas film. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I watched the yeah. night before again the other day. I'll talk, talk about that in a minute. Um, we've got Birth of a Nation next week, so we I know it's finally here with like zero fanfare, zero all. fanfare, and next to no marketing in the UK. Strangely, that's mad. We have a documentary I've seen. I'm just going to tell you straight off the bat that it's great. Uh, called Life Animated. Which is you uh, have told me before. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Which reduced me to a blubbering shell of a man. We've got the pass. <laughs> That's not happened since Bleed for This. <laughs> exactly. We've got the pass, starring Russell Tovey, which is a one of us drama about a pair of footballing best friends. We've got Christopher Lloyd in I Am Not a Serial Killer next week. I don't know if you're aware of that one at all. That's been I'm a bit of a. No, it's not really on my radar. 
And of course, we've got The Black Hen covering the foreign film side of it as well. So it's some decent stuff out. Mm, very diverse group. Very diverse group yeah. of films. So yeah, we've got all those to come uh, come next week then. In the meanwhile, this has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been, as always, Case Allen. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras then, Mr. Allen. So where shall we begin this? Because we've got two films to review. We have, and so, we got quite a bit of news. Quite a bit of news. Lay some news on me then. Okay, um, well, I will be honest. Some of the news that I have, mm-hmm. it's just it's more things that I'm finding vaguely interesting. Well, that's... Them being quantifiable pieces of news. Well, it's good for you then that you have an outlet in which to express your uh, your interest. This here podcast. Yeah, exactly. Here we are. <laughs> so, uh, Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Modi Scorsese. He's got a film coming out called Silence, which he's been trying to get made for 25 yes, years. I'm seeing it on the 19th. The 19th? Oh, wow. Yeah. Really that soon? Yeah, the the actual evening multimedia thing is before that. Oh, I really, really so, wish that I could come to that. I really want to see it. Um, but yeah, uh, that comes out the beginning of January, I want to The say. beginning of January. Yeah, I think it comes out here. So, so prime in the middle of like Oscar season then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who'd have, who'd have thought Who'd have thunk it, it who'd eh? thunk it, exactly. Um, it's actually going to be having, not a premiere, it's going to have a special screening in uh, the Vatican City. Yes, I heard yeah. this somewhere. And it's going to be having an audience with the Pope. Wow. Which is just, I want to be a fly on the wall. Does that, hang on, that means that Andrew Garfield, yeah. a man not good enough to be Spider-Man, mm. is allowed to meet the Pope. He is, yeah. How weird and, is that? Uh, 400 uh, Jesuit priests, because of course he's playing a Jesuit priest. Yeah, of course film. he is, yeah. Yeah, but um, did, did, did you see the first trailer? For I did see the first trailer. Wow. It was great. I, I, I'm looking forward to it, I'm looking forward to it really because it's Cassacy, but then I do think in the back of my mind, come done, come done. <laughs> We've been here before. Yeah, I'll just... Just watch yourself now. Simmer down, buddy. watch yourself. Simmer down. Uh, Okay, moving on as well. I feel like we need to have a button where it's just, it's the world's smallest violin being Mm -hmm. played by the world's smallest and saddest violin player for whenever we have some news about Jeremy Renner. The Jeremy Renner. I do feel like that as well. Why this time? Because producer Frank Marshall... Um, oh yes, yeah. he's got uh, Jason Bourne's promote at the moment because it's on home release. It's on home it? release. Yeah. He's gone on record and said that a sixth Jason Bourne film is indeed likely. It's probably mm. going to happen. It, it made decent bank. It did. It made. Uh, is it about four hundred and twenty, four hundred fifteen, four hundred twenty oh, million? Like it made enough to justify a sixth. Oh god, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there's going to be no return for Jamie Renner oh. to the surprise of nobody at all. Sorry, Jezza, it's all over, mate. It's just not happening. It sucks. Oh. I, 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 I do like him. I like him. It's just. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if Jeremy Renner's mum announced tomorrow that she was having another kid, he'd be like, "No, no, 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 this isn't happening at home as well now." No, yeah. but uh, yeah, Matthew McConaughey's got a new job. Uh, is this the one where he's turning up at college campuses and driving around the students? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Matthew McConaughey is part of this project called the Sure Walk Project, which sounds very, very cool. Yeah, um, it's ensuring that students get back safely uh, from the campus back to their student dorms or whatever. <laughs> They are living, and uh, yeah, he's he's part of it. So you might be like out out in town or something, and then call call for lift, and uh, there you are. Michael Carney shows up in a golf buggy. Can I tell you? Because I hadn't read the story, so I didn't know any of that. But I'll yeah. tell you how I did know of the existence of this story. How, how did you know? A website I follow on Facebook called Bro Bible um, yep. gives you an idea of the content of this site. It's mm. mostly women in swimsuits um, and memes. <clears throat> 
an NFL story. Sometimes all three. Sometimes all three in the yeah. same go. Um, but they actually posted a picture of uh, Matthew McConaughey doing this with yeah. with the caption, the headline. Sorry, was it? and it was "Bro King McConaughey <laughs> shows up at camp- shows up at college campuses to drive students around because." <laughs> Just cause, just cause. Bro King, King of the Bros. Bro King McConaughey. That's his. That's his new name. I love it? that. It's no longer Oscar winner. <laughs> it's Bro King. Bro King. <laughs> that picture is fantastic because he's he's got like one hand on the wheel, one he, hand by his side. He looks so amused. It's, it's like those Lincoln adverts. Yes. When yeah. he was like, he had one hand and he was like, it was like a small circle he was making with his thumb. <laughs> yeah, another one. Damn, is a flat circle. Oh yeah. god, wasn't that that was on the height of the reconnaissance as well? Wasn't oh, it was indeed. Yeah. yeah. And now I feel like we're kind of post. We're post reconnaissance, but um, we just we just settled into him being just good. Yeah, we're now in free state of Jones territory, and how did that get no recognition whatsoever? I, don't know. I, I liked it. I liked it, but I just, it's a crowded field. It is. It is I'm, I'm going to get to it after we do some films, but I tell you what, there's a bit of a precursor awards news. So okay. uh, the United States National Board of Review, mm-hmm. they have a film of the year. Every isn't year. this the Library of Congress editions? Uh, the National Film Registry, isn't it? Yes, it yes. is. Yes. There's a documentary about it on Netflix. Oh, it's really? Did you not know? I didn't know. There is a documentary oh, about the National list. Film Registry on Netflix because I, I, I was shocked to find this out. Zoe Deschanel's father is involved with it. Yeah, Caleb he is a cinematographer. Yes, mm. he is actively involved with it. But it was a documentary that took you through uh, why certain films get chosen, what films have been chosen, and I forget the name of it. But uh, it is on it is on our Netflix. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to have a look. But um, yeah, the US National Board of Review, their film of the year. Mm-hmm. We've not had it yet. We're getting it. Height of Oscar season. Uh, Manchester by the Sea. Yes, I have it's heard a lot of us. Yeah, I, 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 I got an email about screening of that earlier. Yeah, I, I cannot wait to see. That if you film. want to go to London next Thursday night, you're welcome because they'll, they'll show it you. But is it on London next Thursday? They're showing it on London next Thursday night. They've just invited me. <laughs> Can I justify it? <laughs> I, I had I, I knew nothing of this beyond it starred Michelle Williams and it was getting a lot of hype. And, and uh, Casey Affleck. Well, I didn't know that. I saw the trailer the other day uh, before United Kingdom. And I was like, oh, that's Manchester. It actually looks quite good. Yeah, I can see why people might love that. Yeah. It's been getting a lot of raves, definitely. It's um, do, 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 do you kind of know the story, the basic premise? Well, I, I watched the trailer, so I have the, the general gist. You got the gist. Yeah, I have the gist. But you got it's, the gist. it's Casey Affleck doing some Afflecking better than his brother does, but without half the recognition so yeah absolutely uh, and it, yeah. once upon a time it was going to be uh, starring and also uh, directed by Matt Damon oh well. okay so there's a sort of synergy in there they're all friends aren't they yeah, yeah. they all buds they all buds they all buds okay tell me about Eat That Question Eat That Question right okay so this is uh, <laughs> this is a documentary about Frank Zappa so officially this full title is Eat That Question Frank Zappa in his own words so you know Frank Zappa obviously he is kind of the anarchic musician of our, well not so much our age really of the last 50 years and we have a documentary that takes us from his sort of inception his origin story as it were through to his very end and it chronicles every aspect of his life that you can imagine it is a shockingly thorough documentary it doesn't rely on talking heads it relies entirely on him and it is all footage and interviews recorded with frank zappa over the years and i'll tell you we've got a clip is commercial success important to you other than making enough money to do what you want to do well Commercial success uh, represents two things. One, it represents dollars and cents, and two, it represents reaching a large audience. Um, 
the dollars and cents I'm comfortable with right now because I managed to make enough from the concert tours and so forth, publishing uh, to pay for the equipment that I use and to pay the people who are making the music. <clears throat> but uh, the problem about reaching a larger audience is uh, it's important to me because more people know my face from a poster or from doing an interview on television or radio or magazine than have ever heard the albums or have ever seen the group live. You know, so it makes you wonder. I, I'm famous, but most people don't even know what I do. So Frank Zappa there. And that, uh, that, that sentiment that he's got behind that, the, the, the sort of, it's an almost anti-capitalist statement in a strange way. He, he's very outspoken how he, uh, he, he's really anti-communist, but he doesn't seem to be quite, he doesn't necessarily mean he's pro-capitalist either. Um, he has a, a very refreshing view on the idea of publicity and the idea of mass media and things like that. And it's, it's something that will amuse and entertain throughout this film, which is, it's only a, a short 90 minutes minutes, I'd say. It's like 93 minutes, mm. things like that. It's by uh, Thorsten Shute, German filmmaker whose work I'm not overly familiar with. Uh, but having said that, his work here is stellar. This is a real sharp, feisty, furious kind of a documentary. It perfectly encapsulates that kind of madcap energy that we associate so readily with Frank Zappa. Now, I say, I, I know Frank Zappa as a personality, and I know his music. Mm. It, it Having it all in one place and having it all come together in, in the way that this does is actually something to behold. Um, I bemoan a lot of uh, musical documentaries for being, you know, DVD extras. This is definitely not that. This It's not quite Amy or Supersonic. It's, it's not a, a polished product in that way. I would liken it to something like Gimme Danger. Which obviously quite a recent example. Yeah, it's like Fortnite ago. It's Fortnite, something like that. I would liken it to something like that. I, I, I say I, I really enjoyed it. I liked it. I loved the music in it, and I liked that it managed to just perfectly bottle up and and proudly display exactly what it was that made Frank Zappa what he is. But I say the energy behind it was infectious. I really got mm. into it, and I liked that it was so reliant on him. That it was more reliant on him than anything else. Because with music docs, it tends to be you need the source. So you can't constantly go around, you know, the the, the, the you know, roll revolving revolving door of talking heads that these things get. You don't need that. It adds nothing. You know, it's that standard uh, TV thing of let's just ask a random stand-up comic, you know, things like that. Yeah. No one cares. And I watched a documentary the other day in which they literally did exactly that. I try to remember what it was. They asked like a stand-up comic about something serious as well. I was like, why, why have you done this? Hmm. Just but didn't resonate very well. Didn't resonate. Why? Why are you here? But uh, <laughs> yeah, but not quite all. You're not a comedian. But it is like that. It's like when yeah. they're doing a documentary, and you know that they've never met this person. Right. They're just asking them because they're famous. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, let, you are a name. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, let, let's ask uh, Matt Lucas about Paddington, about the legacy of Paddington. I once you know. saw Matt Lucas at a Ben Folds gig. I saw Paul Merton the other day. Did you it, actually meet him in real life? No, no, Paul Merton was in our screening of Sully. No way. Actually was. Paul Merton is one of my favourite people ever. He's one of mine as well. I've never met him. He is the only one of the original Have I Got News For You lineup that I've not met. So. Oh, so you've already met... Uh, I met Angus Deaton, I met Paul uh, Ian Hislop. Ian Hislop. Yeah, so Paul Merton is the one I haven't met. You got Full House. Got better. I met Ian Hislop, and then the following week, to the day, met Angus Deaton. That's incredible. Yeah. At, at separate... No, in fact, weirdly, it was on the same street in Soho. Mad. So, yeah, weird, I know. Although I wanted to, I did want to talk to Paul Merton, but I kind of, I really needed the bathroom, he left before I got the chance. 
So I did, and I made sure to wash my hands. I really did. Anyway, you scrubbed them extra hard. I met I met George Takai in a men's room once, and uh, did he say hello? He, he went, please, please wash your hands. I'm like, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, so sorry. <laughs> How was my George Takai, by the way? It was pretty. It was better than my Muffin Gone. Eh? Way better. <laughs> I've got a bit of a cold though, so I can't go full McConaughey. McConaughey. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, I named my dog after him. So, That's true, yeah. The middle name, middle name, not yeah. her actual name. Named, named after a car. And Do you know then... who's uh, a good impersonation of Matthew McConaughey? Go on. Uh, James uh, Marsden. James Marsden? Yeah, Does Matthew on, McConaughey He was on Colbert the other day, and it was like... <laughs> perfect. Spot on. Nice. So go on, give me some, get's about some news for a bit. What you got for Okay, um, here's some new film news about new films. Okay, new film. I like okay. new films. So um, there is going to be a film called The Pact. I don't know if you've heard about this one. Uh, the Pact. No, not offhand. It's going to be a comedy. It's going to be coming out... I think sometime later next year. It's not mm-hmm. shooting yet, shooting like early early next year. Yeah. It's going to be starring uh, Leslie Mann, Ike Barinholtz, and everybody's favourite comedian, John Cena. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it actually sounds really funny um, for John Cena, I guess. Um, the pitch basically is about uh, three parents who learn that their daughters have sworn a pact to lose their virginities on prom nights. Oh, no. And then the parents, obviously, they learn about it, they want to stop it from happening. You can imagine. Yeah, this sounds like yeah. Clark Gregg's character from the to-do list. It does a little bit, yeah. yeah. Hilarity and Hilarity and yeah. Speaking of John Cena, here's with this isn't actually film news because I don't it's not confirmed or anything. Um last week It's just Marvel. This is Marvel. Yeah. Last week John Cena's name appeared on the cast list for on IMDB for Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. And it immediately started this rumour that John Cena was going to turn up playing himself. Yes, uh, and he's got to fight the Hulk, which is odd. Yeah, uh, especially considering the movie you know is going to at least partly take place in an alien gladiator ring. So, well, the rumor is the Hulk is going to be fighting the most powerful beings from different worlds. Yeah, and and they've they've and John Cena would be representing Earth. Oh my God, that's awesome. Which is a good way of like saying, oh, let's let's get him because Barack is tied up with Shazam. I have been saying for years that Marvel do need to rely more on talent pool from the WWE. Yeah. Um, prior, that was prior to oh, Batista. Batista, yeah. Prior to Batista, oh, I was they so needed to do something like this. The way yeah. they needed because wrestlers are ready-made muscle talent. Like a lot, of, they obviously can act because they're wrestlers. Absolutely, you know the performances they put yeah. on when they're doing the smack talk stuff mm. is second to none because most of them behave nothing like what they actually do in the performance. Well, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, who wrote mm-hmm. the songs for uh, uh, Moana, yeah, he said that The Rock was sort of tailor made for this because he 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 basically wrote the songs for Moana and he based the singing and vocal range on yeah. when The Rock would like write songs about towns that he would be performing in as a wrestler <laughs> so apparently he used to do this thing where like say he was in like Arizona or something yeah. or, or like some state where he's meant to be like a bad guy he would he'd come up with like a trash talk song oh nice and then like sing about them and so that's how he, he figured out the rock's vocal range from listening to these like songs about yeah, different places it paid states. off the, the rock does have a great musical number in, in Moana in fact uh, they've yeah. actually put it out as a promotional clip I don't know if you've seen it it's called I've, You're Welcome yeah it is called You're Welcome I've not listened to it because yeah. I've, I've been reserving my until the film comes out, um, yeah, I've only got two more days to wait. So. There, there is, there is a, 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 a sort of uh, another one that's kind of its let its version of "Let It Go," which is Moana's own song. But, right, yeah, yeah, that's the one that's been pushed for best song. I think. Is it? I believe so. Oh, yeah. okay. We'll find out all about this soon. It's never, I, I tell you, Shakira needs to get it for uh, try everything. I think that's on a long list. It's got to happen. Shakira needs to win an Oscar for try everything. Apparently, Sia 
has put forward, I think it's five songs. <laughs> I think she's got a song for Secret Life of Pets. And just she does, yeah. Variant things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pharrell Williams has got a song for, what's it called? Fences? No. Wouldn't the, surprise me. Uh, NASA film. Hidden Figures. Oh, yeah, Hidden, yeah, Hidden Figures. Figures. Yeah, he has. Yeah, isn't, isn't John Legend involved with Hidden Figures as well? I believe so. Of course, John Legend won for Salma. He did, yes. John Legend and Common, wasn't it? And Common. And Common. And it was a brilliant song that I don't remember from the film, but I do. when I saw the Oscar performance, I was like, this is amazing, I've got to have this song. Can you imagine if I didn't win that year? Oh, it was such a great, a great performance. The performance was... There's that scene of... Did we uh, watch that together? I think we did, yeah. Uh, Chris Pine cried. Because there was like a close-up of the camera <laughs> just on a teary Chris Pine. Oh, i got to tell you about a film I watched the other day, and this is coming to what Netflix um, in a couple of weeks, in the next couple of weeks. I finally got to watch the documentary For the Love of Spock. Which oh, was it good? I, well, I'd had it on my, I'd have, I'd had the screen stored on my iPad yeah. for for months, and I'd, I'd never gotten to it. And uh, funny story, uh, Leonard Nimoy's uh, theatrical debut was in a film called Kid Monk Baroni, which is actually directed by Alan Frank's late father-in-law. Huh. So, in a sense, Alan Frank's father-in-law discovered Leonard Nimoy. So we have Incredible. him to thank. Um, and I got to watch this film, and uh, I was I was blown away by it. It was actually really moving. It was and it was great to see, for instance, uh, Zach Kinto talk about nice. his relationship with Leonard Nimoy, which was just surreal. But yeah, you know, really, okay. it was written and directed by Adam Nimoy. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting documentary. I recommend it. It's hitting Netflix shortly, so check it out. Tell me about Spike Lee. Tell you about Spike Lee. Okay, well, Spike Lee's back. He's written and he's co-directed Chirac. Uh, in which, which is, uh, he's, he's taken the ancient Greek play Lysistra, and yes. he has adapted it for contemporary Chicago, and he has used it as this sweeping statement to talk about gun control, to talk about hashtag Black Lives Matter, <laughs> to talk about gang violence and gang culture, to talk about the state of America today, and he's done it in this this madcap, almost Baz Luhrmann like way that you just never saw coming. Uh, what you've got is a story whereby <clears throat> uh, Lysistra who's still named the same, um, decides after, after a, a innocent child is gunned down in the crossfire between two gangs, she decides to lead her own little community rebellion in which all the women of the community will band together and deny their men sex until they effectively lay down their arms and agree to, you know, knock this mm. off. Right, <laughs> enter an all-star cast, and I should mention this thing is not not so much narrated but presented by Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, I heard who about breaks it. the fourth wall, talks direct to camera, and is this madcap zany presenter type mm. character. Um, you've got let's say an all-star cast in there as well. So you've got Nick Cannon as Chirac, who's one gang leader. You've got uh, Wesley Snipes as Cyclops, the other gang leader. Incredible. And yes, he does have a sparkly eye patch. Yes, you've got. <laughs> Uh, Harry Lennox turns up. So you've got Sam Jackson, Angela Bassett. You've got... Uh, who am I thinking of? I was really impressed by this as well. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle turns yes, I up. Heard Dave Chappelle's in it. Right, and that is where our clip comes from, in which Dave Chappelle more or less explains the plot for you. I peeped this. I got 30 girls stripping for me. Another five on loan, and not one of them, not one of them is answering their damn phone. This is whack. Yeah, I mean, at this time of the night, the champagne room would be full of life. Young boys putting dollar bills in the drawers of all my pretty thrills. Cyclops, we have been struck by a plague that will put that biblical pestilence to shame. And this famine only affects the lower regions where all you young Trojans do most of your thinking. 
I mean, this is the male side of the aisle. If you can't squeeze it, you at least want to, you know, tease it. Oh, but, 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 but these hoes have literally shut down the penis power grid. So my question to y'all is what you mother done did, huh? The situation's out of control because I'm in front of an empty stripper pole. Right, if you didn't know... The entire film is in rhyme. That's amazing. Right, I, I'll be honest with you, and I admit this to but I was dreading this. Mm. I, I really was. It, oh, hey, you know, the concept is so wacky. You're not a big fan of Spike Lee? Um, I can take or leave Spike Lee, to be honest. I, I always have. I found, I've always found him to be a personality, and his personality is visible, and it bleeds through his films. Mm. I've always found him to be someone I can take or leave. I find his opinions can veer wildly from the sensible to the outright unnecessarily preachy. Now... What he's done here is he stepped back the Spike Leeness a little bit, and he's letting the film talk for himself. Talk for itself. It is bonkers. No way around that. It is utterly, utterly bonkers. But you know what? It just about works. And you have to admire the sheer audacity of it. Mm. It is a film that revels in its own absurdity. It is very self-aware. It is self-referential as well. And I think there is... I think the anchor really is Samuel L. Jackson, who keeps popping up with this very knowing, almost jester-like presenter persona. There are great performances in there. I forget the name of the lead. Uh, She's terrific. I've not seen her in anything before. Um... Oh, that's what I'm forgetting on the cast list as well. John Cusack, who delivers... Really? Yes. John Cusack delivers the best performance you have seen from him in years. Mm. And I'm going back to... I tried thinking about when the last time I really enjoyed a John Cusack performance was. I got as far back as 1408. Yeah. That, that's as far back as I, I actually... Was that 2007? Felt. Something like that, yeah. John Cusack is the local preacher. The local, the local cool. priest, and he leads. He's leading the 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 mm. spiritual side of the uh, you know the innocent child has been gunned down yeah. sort of storyline. I was thinking about it the other day, like I was thinking about his performance as Nixon in The Butler. Oh, I liked that. I liked. I, I could have done with more like of him. I did not like. Did that. you not like that? I liked no. it. I thought, well, I thought, you yeah, didn't the quite sit with down. me. Well, I mean, I think it's depressing that you know John Cusack has reached a stage where he can he play, can play Nixon. Nixon. I know. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I very much like Chirac. I uh, Chirac, sorry. Um, I say it's it's not got an awful lot of mainstream appeal, mm. but I think it plays. It does play like a, a fusion of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet and do the right thing. It's like you mm. smash those two together, and smash is the operative word. You smash <laughs> them together, you get this, yeah, and it is bold, and it is audacious, and it's daring and it manages in a very weird unexpected way to come out as this wonderful statement of this era of now of you wouldn't have thought you'd you know you'd get this out of it mm. but it turns out that you know going back to you know <laughs> the ancient greeks of all things spike lee managed to find about the most contemporary material he could get <laughs> which is in itself the ultimate irony who'd have thunk it but yeah. here we are I, love, job, I, I really liked it but yeah so what's what's going on in the film news then? I don't really have much more. What was um, that Tony Gilroy thing going on? Oh, of course. Yeah, I've, there's, got, there's the I've got a few more pieces. I don't think then. about it. So yeah, Tony Gilroy is standing to gain. Did we say it was about an extra five mil? Yeah, I heard this. Yeah. It's because he did the reshoots, reshoots for Rogue One, didn't or, he? Or at least he helped. He helped. Yeah, <laughs> officially he helped. We can neither confirm or deny. No, no, I'm sure if not. He completely handled it. 
But um, yeah, we shall see when the film comes out. Anyway, it's well, one of those weird things, isn't it, about reshoots? Like you never quite know. I mean, sometimes you get something amazing. Sometimes you get the fantastic four. Sorry, fan uh, fan four stick. Whatever fan it's four, called. Yeah, call it its proper proper mm. name, man. Well, that's the thing. I I like Tony Gilroy's work. Um, didn't he do? Was it the Bourne Legacy? Yes, he did. Say he did the Bourne the mm. Bourne Legacy, didn't he? And Michael Clayton, that's him, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yeah, it is. That was really good. George Clooney. Well, I've got uh, I've got a couple of interesting pieces. Oh, um, yeah, let me know what, what have you got. Well, first of all, Ray Fiennes is retiring from playing villains. That's a thing. Well, when you've got Voldemort in your belt. <laughs> oh, he has said that's the only villain he'll come back and do again. Like if there's ever, he said if there's ever wow. a need for some for Voldemort to come back, he will happily play him. Which that's pretty cool. No, that's that's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, let's so that's, that's one of us doing a Voldemort prequel, then. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Uh, Bradley Cooper is going to do Gavin O'Connor's new film. Yeah, what is that called again? That's a World War Two film, isn't it? That is the World War Two. It's called Atlantic Wall. Atlantic Wall. That's got a cool story to it. It has. It yeah. is about a paratrooper who gets dropped behind enemy lines yeah. in the hours before D Day, and uh, while he's there. He uh, he has to for some reason he has to protect the son of one of his fallen fallen comrades. But uh, yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah, that's but cool. I didn't realize as well. Bradley Cooper has a production company with Todd Phillips. Yeah, what is that called again? Joint effort, and the pair of them are executive producers on they this. They did War film. Dogs, didn't they? They did War Dogs together. Yeah, yeah. producing unit. Because yeah, he and Todd Phillips are BFFs now. It seems. Yeah, they so, yeah. are indeed. Yeah. Uh, Dan uh, Traxtorberg, who did the uh, Cloverfield. Yeah, yeah, ten, ten Cloverfield, ten Cloverfield Lane. Lane, which we both really enjoyed. We both enjoyed. Oh, it was great. That's going to be on some be best doing... of lists. I think. Oh yeah, I think that's which gonna... we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks. Oh yes, we're going to have to do that in a few Look weeks. Look forward to that. Yeah, cool. uh, he's going to be doing a biopic about Houdini. Yes, I heard about that. Yeah. It's it's this a revisionist cool. biopic though. They're, they're adding a little bit. It's based on a book, uh, Houdini: The Birth of America's First Superhero, or something like that, and it's based. They're going to put forward the idea that Houdini, as well as being the great stage magician, was also an investigator of the paranormal. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> this is what you needed a young John Cusack for. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Young John Cusack would have walked that. We don't want John Cusack as Edgar Allan Poe. No. no. <laughs> how, actually, how did that film suck? Like, the I know. casting was so good. Who else is it? Uh, Luke Evans is in there. Yeah, Luke Brandon Evans Gleason. was in there. Brendan Gleeson's in Brandon there. Brendan Gleeson. Who was the girl in there? I think it wasn't Jessica Chastain. No. It'll come to I me. I think it was. But yeah, that shouldn't have sucked, and he did. No. That's not fair. It should have been good. Uh, B.D. Wong. Yes. B.D. Wong is coming back to Jurassic World. Yes, I can't Dr. wait. Dr. Wu. Dr. Wu. Have you heard the quote on this one, by the way? And it came from I've Frank not, Marshall, no. who has given every quote this last week. I was going to say, a lot of the news has come just yeah. from Frank Marshall. I, I feel like we should have just spoken to Frank Marshall for an hour and hey, given more of the news. Um, his, his quote was, and this is, this is genuine, word for word, when when you get to pop off in a helicopter at the end, it's usually a sure sign that you're coming back. So, fair play, fair play. Yeah. Can't fault that. And Ifran Khan will not be returning because he died in a helicopter last <laughs> yeah, Exactly, yeah. <laughs> there is news, actually, as well. That uh, Also, have a guess who came up with this one. Can you, can you guess who the source is on this bit of news? Kavan Janae Wallace. It is Kavan Janae Wallace, otherwise known as uh, Frank Marshall. <laughs> Frank Marshall um, has revealed that uh, he will, he will, he's involved in a plot to stop them ever remaking Back to the Future or ET. Good, good on him. Yeah. He, he, Robert Zemeckis, and Bob Gale, who of course right. is the writer yeah, of Back to the Future, they have to agree on a remake of Back to the Future before Universal can ever do it. So it's like a pact. There's like a pact going on. That's great. So there's the, oh, oh, the sad news. We didn't get to do the sad news this week. Long Glass. Long Glass died. Long glass died. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. sad news. That was very, very sad news. Of course, from uh, uh, Firefly and Serenity, I, I know him from 
Yeah, well, I possibly. mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Firefly and Serenity, as you may have gleaned over time. I have. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I will point out, I, I first saw Ron Glass on a Nickelodeon series in the 90s called Teen Angel, in which... Uh, <gasps> do, do, do you remember Teen Angel? I forgot. He's, he's, he's God's, God's brother. Or God's cousin. God's cousin. God's cousin Rod. And, yeah, I forgot that was him. That was Ron Glass. Yeah. Oh, I'm even more bummed out. <laughs> also, uh, uh, Kerry Washington's dad in Lakeview Terrace. True. And it's an awful movie, but... I feel like he's in an episode of Friends. Uh, he's Ross's divorce lawyer in Friends. Ross the divorce force. Yeah, he's Ross's divorce lawyer in Friends. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he ever turned up in suits, although he, it seems like he should have. He it seems like away. a show that he would have been in. Yeah, he passed away age 71. Uh, do you know I met him in 2006? Did you actually? Yeah, I did. I thought you've met quite a lot of celebrities. I met him and Alan Tudyk on the same day in 2006. You met Alan Tudyk? Yes, I met no Alan way. Tudyk. Yeah. Um, 2006, uh, at a convention in Milton Keynes, and he was the nicest man in the universe. He really was. I think there was like... Which was with about six friends, and we all had a big group picture taken with him, and he was really charming and sweet. I've tried to find a picture, actually. It's, uh, oh. You do misplace that one. I was once uh, setting up for a convention in Sheffield, mm-hmm. setting up all the stuff for our stall, and yeah. um, there was this big guy who was uh, just going around to all the stalls, and uh, really, really friendly, dead polite, just going up to all the stalls, just being like, hi there, guys, hope you have a really good weekend, hope you have a really, really nice time. Do you know who it was? Go on. Gimli. Oh, uh, John Reese Davis. Yes. Met him too. <laughs> I would imagine so. He's really nice. Yeah, he's just going around just saying, hope you have a great time, guys. Hope yeah, he's, really a lovely, he's a lovely bloke, John Reese really Davis. I met him at a, uh, outside, I met him outside a Q&A for the Indiana Jones trilogy. Oh, really? Back when it was just a trilogy. Yeah. And What uh, are you talking about? They never made a fourth one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are you telling me there was a fourth one of aliens? Never it, happened. N- never, happened. N- never happened. No, no. Indiana Jones happen. wasn't in a fridge. Shut up. I didn't. <laughs> Do you uh, imagine? Could you imagine if you could tell your child self that one day you're going to see Indiana Jones in a fridge, like Survivor Nuclear Explosion? Oh, I'd have, I'd have taken a cyanide cap- capsule. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, that's not happen. That could never happen. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, have you heard about the Superman Lives thing? You know the old Nicolas Cage Superman Lives project with Kevin Smith? I remember, of course, yeah. Well, there's like an outcry to get Kevin Smith to do it in animated form with uh, really? with Warner Brothers Animation. Because there's, there's seen, they're, you know, they're doing all these Elseworld ones now, and there's like Justice League Darks yeah. being made, and we recently had The Killing Joke as well. Mm. Uh, well, this is the thing, they want Superman Lives. Because the, the script in its entirety is available online now. Of course it is, yeah. So you can actually read what would have been the Nicolas Cage Superman movie. So would Nick Cage then have to return? This is the thing. Kevin it. Smith had said that would be so great to do with the voice cast, you know, yeah, yeah. we wanted, wanted the, the yeah. live action cast and do the voices, get Nick Cage. He was a really cool... He it wanted was meant to be Mike, Jimmy Olsen. It was Chris Rock, wasn't it? Chris Rock for Jimmy yeah. Olsen. He wanted Man. Michael Rooker for Lex Luthor. That's perfect. I mean, that makes sense for Kevin Smith. Well, the thing with... All I that's... can't remember who... One of the names for Lois Lane was Courtney Cox. Another one was Sandra Bullock. That was it, yeah. yeah. Sandra Bullock and Courtney Cox. So I feel like they had a very specific type in mind. There was one iteration of Superman Lives where uh, Kevin Spacey was going to be Lex Luthor and then ended up being Lex Luthor. And then Brian Kevin Spacey got mooted around for Flyby instead, which was a J.J. Abrams version. Yes. With the non-flying, karate-kicking Superman. Oh, no, he did, yeah. he did fly, but he didn't have... He, he, like, he had Kryptonian Kung Fu or something. Kryptonian Kung Fu. Yeah, and... Yeah, so this is the thing. Kevin Smith has said, I will totally do that. Yeah. But uh, the Sam Mendes one, you heard about that? He's left a project. He's left a project. This, I forgot this is, what project is called. I think we talked about this way back when. 
when he was attached to it. No, it was about, about June, July. He yeah. was attached to a project which was based on a book called uh, The Voyeur's Motel. Mm. And there was the reason we talked about it at the time was because the book, the writer of the book, had been forced to address the fact that his sources couldn't be uh, relied on. That his his material was uh, was shaky, questionable at best. Well, the studio pushed ahead with it, and they've now run into another problem entirely. This was going to be a DreamWorks thing. There's a documentary being made. There's a documentary being made, and both the writer of the book and the man the book is about neglected to mention this at any point. So So Sam Mendes was like, oh, I'm just going to say, you know, if I've been followed around for two years by a documentary crew, Mm. it's usually the kind of thing I remember to tell people when Mm. someone asks, can I make a film about you? Usually, oh, well, we've got experience with that. I'm I'm Van. This is my documentary crew. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You drop it into conversation, you know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, uh, Step Up 6, we talked about that. It's going to be a Chinese... A spin-off now? Because money. Because money. Because, because money. China has all the money. It does. Um, Scorsese's Frank Sinatra movie has been shelved. Yes, yeah, dead. 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 Yeah. Once upon a time, but it was going to be starring uh, Leo Dio. Oh, man. I know. Well, I know that Could have won him by elusive Oscar, but he's never won. <laughs> but he's never, ever won. No, because this is recorded <laughs> Wait, in... Wait, uh, This is recorded December 2015. <laughs> 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 um, I know that he wanted, for the older years, he wanted... Uh, Al, Al Pacino to be old Frank Sinatra yeah. and Robert De Niro as old Dean Martin. So that's pretty perfect. That, isn't that it? could work. Yeah. Uh, ben Wheatley and Tom Hiddleston are getting back together. This is what? hard boiled. Hard boiled. Yeah. So that is a that's a Frank Miller. Frank Miller comic book, which is yeah. I forget the concept of that one. I do as well. It yeah. involves guns. <laughs> it involves, it involves guns, guns yeah. and fighting. But oh, uh, that's the other one. Jessica Chastain. Setting herself up as a producer. Did you know this? I think I heard. It's the comic book property that she. Oh no, that was that was a couple of weeks ago. It's Painkiller Jane. Painkiller Jane, of course. Yeah, yeah. she's going to star in and produce Painkiller Jane. Yeah. Of course, there was a Sci-Fi Channel series like okay. a decade and a half ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, which starred, I believe, Christana Loken, oh. aka the TX, which is the laziest oh. name for a Terminator ever. Yeah. And then, uh, well, now they're bringing it back. It's going to be a proper feature film. It's going to be the actual feature film debut of the character. Uh, starring Jessica Chastain, she's going to produce it. But also, she's producing another project. And this What's is, this one? This It's currently untitled. It is about the Black Mambas, the anti-poaching organization. Okay. Right. She's going to produce it. She's not going to star in it. Have a guess who's written this. It, it, it's the last person. I did, first of all, I did not know this person was a playwright. Instead of saying, come on, Janet Wallace. <laughs> who am I going to say? Uh, Shall should I just say Michonne from The Walking Dead? And leave it at that. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I, I can't remember her name. Um, she's actually a playwright, though. I didn't know this. So, so Michonne from The Walking Deny. Dead. Deny. I know her first name, Deny. That, yeah. That's all I know. It begin with G, it? does begin with a G. Yeah. It, it'll it's come probably to me. a U in there as well. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Yeah. Uh, Mortal, in- uh, Mortal Instruments, Mortal Engines, uh, is going to uh, be a film by 2018, by Christmas 2018, produced is- by Peter Jackson, and he's going to be writing it as well. Yeah, with, uh, Philippa, Philippa Walsh, and Fran. We'll get there. If we talk like this, then we'll probably. I don't know. I feel like I'm stretching with my voice to try and remember what it is. So no, it doesn't work. It's going to different news. But no, so no, I, I can't remember. He's he's writing and, and producing it. So yeah, I could, I could work it out. No, but you, do you know what? He's, he's made films before. He's made a couple. Well, sorry if I'm wrong. Um, so this is this is the story of uh, a future in which you know the Earth's resources have been depleted, and every there's like four cities that are like built on effectively. 
tank, uh, you know, the tank wheels. Yeah. They call them the caterpillar tracks that tanks have. I think you've just described it pretty well. Yeah, and they yeah. basically trail through Go the earth, the consuming earth, yeah. resources. And, you know, it's about Which sounds boy. very Mad Maxian. It does, doesn't it? I think, yeah. I think you could make it that way. Uh, Stallone has effectively uh, he's abandoned and hindered a project over at STX Entertainment. What was this called? Godforsaken. There was something promising about that. What was it now? He was playing uh, an ex-con who regretted, you know, basically turned his back on his life of crime. His son had been murdered and he had to go and protect his family. Which sounds like standard sly film. It does, Who was the director, though? Director was someone... Oh, I did know this. related to a film, but I really liked it. (laughs) I did know this. I've forgotten it now. Uh, But yeah, Stallone, I'll find out in a second. Stallone has actually left it um, for reasons that he's not given. And they are keeping the the director. It was someone really interesting. It was, oh, it was Jim Mickle from Cold in July. Yes. Yeah. Jim Mickle's still attached as director, though. Okay. And they are still going ahead with it. They have said, well, we are going to go ahead with it. We're just going to recast it. We're going to put it back into development, recast it, and then move on. Just get Arnie. Well, the weird thing was, it was Stallone who brought the project to STX in the first place. Now, STX are trying to make a name for themselves at the minute. They're kind of the new up-and-coming studio. They did uh, Bad Moms. That was our first big success story is Bad Moms. Which I didn't like. Did you not like? No. Ah, fair enough. Not not to everyone. It was just like... Here's here's some dialogue for twenty seconds, <laughs> and here's a pit song from twenty sixteen. <laughs> Just every minute. <laughs> that, that that that's fair. I'll give you that. Um, I, do you remember uh, when Doug Lyman left? Uh, what was the superhero movie? When he left Gambit. Yeah. When Doug Lyman left Gambit, he signed on to another project instead. I'm not talking He's, about Justice League Dark. He signed on to another one called did, Chaos yeah. Walking. Yes, yeah, so this is a um, so young adult uh, adaptation. Uh, Daisy Ridley was... Daisy Ridley yeah. is still attached. Yes, yeah, a oh, trilogy cool. of books that... Uh, post-apocalyptic, dystopian future with young people really? kind of a thing. Ah, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty legit. Apparently they make yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, well, it's called Lead. Who is the lead? The lead is our new Spider-Man, Mr. Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. himself. No yeah. way. So Spider-Man's meeting Ray for, that's, uh, that's for a cute. Doug Lyman movie. That's that sounds cute. interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. But also, I like Doug Lyman. I find his films, I like I find his films reliable. I find him reliable. That's it. I, but that's the thing. I, I like that he's doing Justice League Dark because <clears> it's the only possible way I could get excited about it. Yeah. But uh, Edge of Tomorrow was really good. Oh, I loved Edge of Tomorrow, and we are still getting a sequel. Apparently, we are. It's going to happen at some point. Not yeah, quite sure what that's going to be. He's writing the screenplay, but he's doing Mission Impossible Six first. Yeah, eh, we'll see what comes of that. So, um, I rewatched uh, an old Cage movie this week, which oh, I was, yeah. which, which I hadn't seen since it came out. I feel a segue coming on. There is a segue. We, I'm going to segue into Moment of Cage, if I'm honest. But uh, yeah, so I watched this <laughs> Nicholas Cage movie that I haven't seen since it came out. And uh, I had forgotten how great it was. I really enjoyed it. I'll give you a hint. It also starred Ethan Hawke and uh, and Mr. Jared Leto. Oh, and so you, you know the one. I know what it is. So from the movie Lord of War, here it is. Your moment of cage. Of all the weapons in the vast Soviet arsenal, nothing was more profitable than Optimont Kalashnikova, model of 1947, more commonly known as the AK-47 or Kalashnikov. It's the world's most popular assault rifle, a weapon all fighters love. An elegantly simple nine-pound amalgamation of forged steel and plywood. It doesn't break, jam, or overheat. It will shoot whether it's covered in mud or filled with sand. It's so easy, even a child can use it, and they do. The Soviets put the gun on a coin. Mozambique put it on their flag. Since the end of the Cold War, the Kalashnikov has become the Russian people's greatest export. 
After that comes vodka, caviar, and suicidal novelists. One thing's for sure, no one was lining up to buy their cars. 